From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Ready? Now, from the WATH studios, here's Cedric Granger. Welcome in and welcome all to the Sports Fan, as we have a good show for you today. Cedric Granger joined by Michael Roth here on November 9th, 2022 on a very, very nice Wednesday. It was a nice day outside. Didn't even have to wear a jacket from my morning classes, which absolutely felt wonderful. But it also felt wonderful because the Bobcats got a win in the Battle of the Bricks. And Michael Roth, you were out there in Oxford for the victory, man. I know you had a good time out there. Yeah, I mean, away games are an experience, let me tell you that. A lot of Bobcat support in Oxford. There were a ton of Bobcats on, um, I think they call it Brick Street, is like their version of Court Street. You discount Court Street. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, a ton of Bobcat support. And just being in Oxford last night was a lot of fun and got to see the Bobcats make a big statement in a rivalry game that recently hasn't been great for Ohio. But if you look at the bigger picture, Ohio's now won 13 of the last 16 Battle of the Bricks. Yeah, and that's something that makes every Bobcat smile from ear to ear. Social media had a good time with Miami at their expense, uh, changing the M to an L at the middle of their logo, of course. And then all the Snapchat posts and mutual trash talk was very great to see. Just because a lot of people, whether you go to Miami or Ohio or any of the other Mac schools, you probably know somebody else who you probably grew up with that decided to choose a different Mac school, considering we have six in this state. And, of course, there's a lot of animosity between Ohio and Miami, one of the class rivalries in the entire conference alongside uh, Bowling Green and Toledo. It's a pretty big rivalry there. And there's a couple other rivalries, though, Western Michigan, Central Michigan, and Eastern Michigan, one of only two rivalries in college football that has a three-way um, rivalry where the winner of the three-way gets the trophy, kind of like the Commander Chief Show trophy with Army, Navy, and Air Force. But on this show, we'll talk about Ohio, of course. We'll talk about the win, who are the players that shine, some potential clinching scenarios that may occur here for the Bobcats, given what's ahead. Then we'll talk about the National College football as the next set of rankings has been released by the College Football Playoff Committee. So we'll discuss those and see which teams will probably hold serve and which teams may be on upset alert for this upcoming week. Then we will go to the NBA on the hardwood as after a league-wide day off last night, a lot of teams are going back to the courts to resume their trips. In the case of the Cleveland Cavaliers, they will resume their road trip out west after taking on the L.A. squads. They will continue their time in California as they will take on Sacramento tonight. And then we'll end it off talking a little bit about Ohio men's basketball as well as providing our hot picks. But as we talked about earlier on the show, the Bobcats, they took down the Red Hawks 37 
221 in Oxford. Big win for Ohio, of course, being able to improve their record to 7-3 and three overall, 5-1 and one in conference. Miami, they fall to 2-4 and four in conference and 4-6 and six in a really rough spot. Also, they ended up having their quarterback go down with an injury on the last play of the game, so things are not looking great for the Red Hawks out in Oxford. But for the Bobcats, huge win. Some of the key players in this matchup, of course, Curtis Rourke been the go-to guy the main guy for the bobcats at quarterback and he's went 25 for 35 362 yards and three touchdowns and ca bengura also had himself a good day 20 carries 145 yards where the offensive line really started to take over the game in the second half for ohio as they dominated in the ground game in that second half and then there was a lot of players that made differences for the bobcats in terms of receiving Miles Cross led the way with six receptions for 133 yards. But in terms of scoring, Jacoby Jones made some massive plays, having multiple touchdowns, a 48-yarder, where he was able to catch a play in the flat, and then he was able to make all the defenders miss and race his way to the end zone. And then Jacoby Jones made an unbelievable one-handed sort of snag where he was able to get that uh, touchdown in the back corner of the end zone on a beautifully thrown pass from Curtis Rourke. So, all throughout the day, Rourke was putting the ball right on the money where it needs to be. However, his receivers were really making plays for him. Yeah. Um, if you would have told me before the season starts that in November, Curtis Rourke would be top five in the nation in passing yards and top ten in the nation in passing touchdowns, I don't think I would have believed you, but he's taken the step. This offense has taken the step. It, it's now... This offense is now a Curtis Rourke offense where it seemed like for maybe the first year and a half, it was a Nathan Rourke offense where Curtis was trying to fit in. And I think you got to give a lot of credit to the coaching staff for going more air raid where Nathan, you had a lot of design quarterback runs, quarterback option plays, run pass option plays. You had two tight ends. You had the, the Lurman um, brothers. They were big factors from the tight end position, and, and it was more power football. And, and now with Curtis, you're seeing this offense evolve. You're seeing spread out receivers. I mean, there are four receivers on this team that can hurt you for the big play. Miles Cross and Jacoby Jones were huge last night. Sam Wiggles has been incredible this season and also uh, J- Bostic. James Bostic. Yeah, yep. yeah I, I was Vanderbilt trying to find his first name. Um, Bostic has made some big plays, explosive down the field. And that's been the biggest difference for this offense. They're hurting you deep over the air. The deep shot has been there. And that makes the running game way easier because there's times where the safeties have to play so far back because they're afraid of Rourke hitting the deep bomb to one of the speedy receivers that that makes Sia Bangura's life even easier. He had a big game. And the other thing that needs to be talked about is how much better this OU defense looks since the Kent State game. The Bobcats gave up almost 800 yards of total offense in their MAC opener. They were statistically one of the worst groups in the country, giving up 38 points to FAU over 40 points to both Iowa State and Penn State, which is defensible as a MAC program, but then giving up 
52 to Fordham and almost 800 yards to Kent State, this defense sent that, since that Kent State game has turned a corner, and they are playing fantastic football. Another example of the team really just figuring it out when they needed to. They're on a five-game winning streak. Vibes are high. And really, the Bobcats have been kind of dominant in all five of those games. I, I'm somebody who, like, if my favorite team's winning, but, like, it's fluky, I'm like, this is awesome. But, like, looking back, maybe got a little lucky here. I'm also the same way when my team gets unlucky. I'm definitely very happy to go, hey, my team was actually better. They should have won this game. I, I think these past five games, I'm looking and I'm like, this has just been the better football team every time out there these past five games and I, I mean even the optimistic bobcat fans when we were sitting at uh two and three right now or two yeah and we three. were two and three at yeah. yeah um i don't think anybody would have been like yeah we're gonna win these next five and not only are, are we gonna win the next five we're gonna look like the better team in all five of them clearly that's just something i didn't see coming um the offense, you saw signs at the start of the year, but the defense doing a complete 180 midseason is incredibly impressive because this unit looked lost against Fordham. They looked dominated. They were dominated by Kent State. I know the scoreboard suggests they weren't. They were dominated against Kent State. We The Bobcats could have lost that game by 21 points, and it wouldn't have been a surprise. And ever since that game, the defense flipped a switch and they are playing great football they're not getting beat by the big plays not having a ton of penalties they're making stops when they need to um didn't haven't been forcing a ton of turnovers but when they need to they've been getting them a couple big ones in that buffalo game this team's clicking right now and you're two wins away um from heading to detroit for the first time since 2017 something i haven't been able to experience during my time down here, I got here in 2018. Um, so yeah, it's just Bobcats right now. It seems like you're playing with house money, but at this point, the expectations have changed for this football team. And it's now an expectation to get to the Mac title game where I think three weeks ago it was, yeah, that'd be really cool if we made it to the Mac title game. And now it's like, I'd be disappointed if they didn't, which is just a crazy statement to think about making a month ago well when you look at the numbers i mean you've got to have that expectation at this point with the way that they are really controlling these games dominating teams even last week where you're like oh buffalo this is probably the biggest challenge on the max late or in the max late for ohio they didn't have any problems against buffalo 45 24 victory and they just ran buffalo out of the field ran them right out of athens sent them right back home to new york uh and even looking at this miami when we look at the breakdown Time of possession is usually a key metric that really showcases game control. Miami, they are a type of team that kind of likes the lower scoring types of games. They want to be the team in control of the clock. They average more rush yards than they do pass yards usually. And this game, Ohio dominated time of possession 41 minutes to just 18 and a half minutes for Miami. And that's something that really stands out, and especially in the second half when you're trying to ice away a game. It really helps the defense that they do not have to make as many stops. And even though the defense did not have to make as many stops, they still were able to come up with a big play here, a big play there. Uh, I believe one of the bigger ones was when uh, Brett Gabbert, quarterback 
for Miami on a fourth and one was trying to do a quick QB sneak to keep a drive alive. Miami was down two possessions. I believe it was a 10-point game around that time. And it was a big moment in the game. Yeah, it was 31-21. to 21, And that would have been a golden opportunity for Miami. Or actually, check that, 34-21. And Miami could have at least put up a touchdown and would have been down by just one possession. However, that big stop on fourth down by the linebacking core and defensive line of Ohio has just been huge. And you talk about the defense making shifts. I think some of the changes in personnel have really been helpful for the Bobcats. I know early on they had a couple of players that at the safety position that weren't used to playing safety. They were more uh, linebackers that maybe converted over the safety. But now and you have a lot of the younger players that have been able to rise and play that safety position. This was a recruiting class that was full of safeties and corners and defensive backs. And you're starting to see a couple of those types of players uh, really make their way into the roster. Uh, some of the guys that made some plays, Adonis Williams, true freshman, Austin Brawley, true freshman uh, from Massillon. So it's just a couple of Northeast Ohio guys really coming in and starting to play a lot more snaps and have a lot more time at safety alongside Alvin Floyd, who unfortunately uh, got kicked out of the game due to targeting, but he'll be back for the next matchup for Ohio. Uh, those players have just really made a big difference in stabilizing that defensive back end. Yeah, I'm not sure how great our secondary is, but the the teams they've been playing haven't been able to expose them uh, like Kent State or Fordham were able to do through the air. And I, I do agree with you that the defense has taken steps, but I also think the schedule has kind of come along, especially for this defense, playing teams that like to run the ball more. That That's a style of offense that Ohio matches up with well. It's the air raid offenses that still would give me pause um, if Ohio would play a team like that in a bowl game um, or in the Toledo. MAC title game. Yeah, that's the... I don't love how we match up. And also, you know who would be a terrible matchup for Ohio's defense? Ohio's <laughs> offense. The Bobcats' offense would be a terrible matchup for the OU defense. Um, so, yeah, it's just interesting seeing how the defense has been opportunistic. The the schedule's kind of lining up for, for the defense to have a little bit of a turnaround. And, man, it hasn't been a little turnaround. It's been a big one. Uh, you mentioned some newer guys making plays. It's... Uh, it just seems like a group where everybody is collectively bought in and it's especially defensively there's not one player who's just gonna turn the tides and especially in the mac unless you have like a khalil mac type player it's gonna take a group effort to be a good defense and i think you're seeing that with just different guys making plays every uh like tuesday night now it seems like um, Bobcats have kind of liked this night recently. So we'll, um, we'll see what happens these final two regular season games. But uh, if you're an OU football fan, it, uh, it hasn't felt this good since 2019. And uh, it's hopefully they can bring back um, some of these players for fifth years, use that COVID year of eligibility, and try and make a run at it again next year. But this team right now is rolling and they, uh, they deserve all the support they're getting, uh, not only on TV, going to the games, home games, away games, doesn't matter. Uh, this team is is doing what any, if you're a fan of a Mac school, this is a team, this is a football program that you just have to support because they're scoring points, they play an exciting brand of football, 
they got like some characters on the team that are like kind of funny on social media. The, the videos that we're making are pretty good. Like, like a lot of things are uh, just coming up strong for the Ohio football program. And to see where they are now after a two and one 2020 campaign where their two wins were against Akron and Bowling Green, two of the worst programs in the country. And then last season, a three and nine season legendary coach Frank Solich retires with a couple weeks before the season opener season really goes downhill that one of the few bright spots was beating Miami last year. And then this year starting off two and three, it really is pretty remarkable the turnaround that's happened in literally a month and a half for this team. It sure is. It's like everything has just clicked for Ohio and what's ahead for the Bobcats to try to get their way into the MAC championship. They have a matchup in Muncie against Ball State, and then they're back at home here in Athens to close the season off against Bowling Green. And we look at the standings, Ohio, they sit up top five and one in the conference, seven and three overall. Buffalo and Bowling Green, four and one, five and four overall. Kent State, two and three, three and six overall. Miami, two and four, four and six at fifth place. And then Akron, last place, still looking for their first FBS win. Then on the other side of things, in the Mac West, it's Toledo sitting up top. And it looks like they will have a shot to clinch the division next week as they play against Bowling Green. And they will look for win number six, which will give them the division crown. Uh, trailing them, Eastern Michigan and Ball State, both three and three, six and four for Eastern Michigan, five and five for Ball State overall. And then Central Michigan and Western Michigan, two and three, three and six, trying to keep their bowl hopes alive tonight. And then Northern Illinois, one and four, two and seven, a rough year for the Huskies, despite them being projected to be one of the top teams. Now, there still is a few games left to go. Uh, it's usually on Maction. You not only have your Tuesday night games, but you also have a couple of Wednesday nighters as well. So on the Wednesday special, you have Buffalo against Central Michigan, Kent State against Bowling Green, and Northern Illinois versus Western Michigan. And for the Bobcats, they will be cheering for Central Michigan and Kent State to be able to pull off those victories. As uh, Michael and I were talking about before the show started, we were talking about potential clinching scenarios for Ohio. And one of the ones that, uh, Roth, you were able to kind of highlight is if Buffalo loses twice and then Bowling Green, actually Bowling Green loses twice, Buffalo loses once, then Ohio will be able to clinch against Ball State. Yeah, it's uh, the, the biggest thing for Ohio is for Buffalo to lose one game the rest of the way, preferably tonight, so you know. If Buffalo loses tonight, takes all the pressure off of Ohio next week against Ball State, unless Bowling Green also loses tonight, which if both of them lose, then you start wanting to get greedy and you go, can Bowling Green fall again? So tonight, I think if you're a Bobcat fan, your focus should be on um, Central Michigan winning and in the back of your head go, Kent winning would be really nice too. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, with that. So just uh, just got to root for uh, the Mac West teams and the teams that are basically eliminated from the Mac East title race. Yeah, Buffalo, they play Akron after this game. So that's one where Buffalo would be highly favored in. And Bowling Green, they match up on the road against Toledo coming up next. So that's a very tough matchup, tough 
cross-divisional draw for the Falcons as that is a rivalry game, annual one, between them and Toledo. But that'll take us to our first break. When we come back, we'll talk about the national college football scene and talk about the new playoff rankings that were just released last night. You're listening to The Sports Fan on 970 WATH. Quality that's through the roof. T-Bay Roofing. T-Bay Roofing, your certified GAF Master Elite Contractor, has expanded operations to now serve the greater Athens County, Ohio area. T-Bay brings their GAF Golden Pledge Warranty for up to 50 years to Athens, and it's even transferable once to the next homeowner. Put your trust in the Mid-Ohio Valley's premier roofing contractor. Get started with a free call to 844-PRO-ROOF, and T-Bay will get you a free estimate within 24 hours. That's 844-PRO-ROOF. Put your trust in the Mid-Ohio Valley's premier roofing contractor. Get started with a free call to 844-PRO-ROOF, and T-Bay will get you a free estimate within 24 hours. That's 844-PRO-ROOF. Now serving the Athens, Ohio areas. Find out more at tbayroofing.com. Quality that's through the roof. T-Bay Roofing. Weenie Wednesday. Corn dogs and regular hot dogs, $1.19 each. Open 10.30 a.m. to 10 p.m. Head over to Larry's Dog House over on West Union Street in Athens. Athens County cares about you. I'm Micah. Join me Tuesdays and Fridays at 10.06 on Classic Hits 970 a.m. and 971 FM WATH for discussions about essential information for seniors, such as nutrition, caregiving, mental health, Medicare, and all other relevant topics for seniors in Athens County and the surrounding areas. Athens County Cares, a project of United Seniors of Athens County, Tuesdays and Fridays at 10.06 a.m. on WATH. Live and local, the sports fan on 970 WATH. Welcome back to the Sports Fan on 970 WATH. Cedric Granger and Michael Roth joining you today, this evening. Nice day, and there'll only be probably one more really warm day like this before the cold front comes in. So, especially tomorrow, get your sunglasses out and really enjoy that day before you're going to have to take out all your winter weather gear. As and in the first segment, talked a little bit about Ohio college football, and now we're about to move on to the national scene. Rob, you're about to say something about the weather out there. <laughs> yeah, I was. I know it's going to rain in um, Cleveland on Friday and Saturday. Is it supposed to rain down here for high school football playoff games? Do you know? More than likely. I was checking the weather a little bit earlier, and the percentages, it was like 60 70%, and now it's actually up. It's up to, ooh, now it says 100% in Athens uh, for rain. So. Yeah, that'll be interesting. You'll have the teams that are more physical, and like to run the ball, definitely have the advantage, depending on how heavy the rain is. Um, sometimes uh, rain can be an advantage uh, for the offense, but if it's heavy rain and windy especially, that's going to give the teams that are more physical and like to run the ball an advantage. Uh, it seems to come around pretty much for one or two weeks every year. I, I'm not sure if you remember Newark Catholic, in their state final four game last year, they went up, they played a team from the Youngstown area, and it was a literal blizzard for that entire game. 
um, the Green Wave were able to get the victory. So it's always interesting seeing how weather affects games because, you know, you're in Ohio. These playoff games are coming in. Uh, I think the state title game's in the first weekend of December. But up until uh, through the Final Four, from now through the Final Four, you're playing November weekend, usually nights. It's going to be cold. Could have some weather. It, It always plays a factor in these games. So that'll be something I'll be keeping my eye on. I do kind of think that lowers chances for some upsets because you'll have some teams that are a little bit worse. They like to throw the ball. They kind of need that passing attack. If they don't have that passing attack, it's really just going to be the more physical team, which is usually the better team on paper. Yeah. So keep out, keep an eye out for that in this Friday's matchup that you can listen to on power one Oh five Nelsonville, York taking on Bel Air to try to get themselves into the regional final to match up against more than likely it will be Fort Fry. But I believe that's a Saturday kickoff too. It's a Saturday. Kickoff. Yes, I believe it's a Saturday night kickoff. Gotcha. So thank you for that adjustment. Yes, so Saturday. Either way, you will get to hear it on Power 105. Carl Blaylock will have the call. Uh, but speaking of bad weather games, when we look at uh, last week for Ohio State, they matched up against Northwestern and had a very windy, cold, rainy sort of slugfest against the Wildcats, and they won 21-7. to Not an impressive win at all, given Northwestern is 1-7. and However, given all the upsets that happened, Ohio State still stays at second place. Uh, but if we go down the full rankings in the playoffs, Georgia, they move up to number one after their big win against Tennessee, where they look like the better team clearly. And it was Ohio State 2-3 Michigan as they move up two spots. TCU moves up to four as they finally get themselves into the top four. Tennessee on the outside looking in after the loss, sitting at number five. Ducks six, LSU seven, USC eight. Bama still stays in the top ten at number nine despite two losses. And Clemson, they backslide all the way down to the tenth spot. Other teams the rest of the way, Ole Miss, UCLA, Utah, Penn State, North Carolina, NC State, Tulane, Texas, K-State, Notre Dame, Illinois, UCF, Florida State, Kentucky, and Washington make up the rest of the top 25. So a lot of this is pretty much as expected, but it is cool to see that the committee is giving TCU respect for being undefeated. However, their spot could be taken quickly if they do not keep up the good work. Yeah, Horn Frogs uh, will likely be, they, they are underdogs against Texas, and they could be underdogs against Baylor. So two of their last three games could be looking at underdogs for the Horn Frogs. Um, this is a TCU team that no offense to them. I'm not buying them. They're like the Bengals of college football where they play backup quarterbacks literally every week. And I TCU has um, unfortunately injured like three or four quarterbacks this year. Um, only one of them was on a dirty play. They, they injured the Oklahoma quarterback, Gabriel, on a targeting. Um, but the other, like, two or three injuries were just football plays. Yeah, that it was two quarterbacks in one game in yeah. the case of the K-State game. Yeah, just unfortunate football plays. But I, the football gods are just going to punish them. They're going to be like, listen, you, you guys have played backup quarterbacks over half the season. Um I, I think it's going to come crashing down this week against Texas. If Quinn Ewers uh, can look healthy and have a good game, uh, I think the Longhorns are going to absolutely roll over the Horn Frogs. Um, it is a cool story because TCU 
their like win total was like six. They weren't viewed as a top 25 team preseason, but I really don't see them as a legitimate college football playoff contender. Um, they still could make it at 12 and one if they win the big 12 title. Um, but that would, that would require them to keep winning, which they've done for the first nine games of the year, but it only gets tougher these next four games. So we'll see what the Horn Frogs have left. But if you keep winning and TCU's sitting at 13 and 0, they'll definitely be deserving to make the college football playoff with a record like that. It'll be interesting because I think no team will be rooting harder against TCU than Tennessee because it seems like if the Vols keep winning, they're going to move up into that three or four spot, depending on what happens in that Ohio State Michigan game. And also if TCU drops a game. So Tennessee is actually kind of in a pretty nice spot here. Even with the loss to Georgia, they're going to be sitting at home on championship Saturday, which the committee in the past has punished teams. But I would have a hard time leaving out an 11 and one Tennessee squad whose only loss is at Georgia because one of Ohio state or Michigan is going to lose. And I, I firmly believe that 11-1 Tennessee is better than 11-1 loser of the Ohio State-Michigan game. So I think they would leapfrog one of those teams. And I could actually see the Pac-12 champ maybe leapfrogging them if it's a one-loss USC or UCLA. I don't think Oregon could leap Tennessee in the playoff line just because Oregon's one loss was to the same Georgia team that handed Tennessee their one loss, but Tennessee's game was at least somewhat competitive, whereas Oregon lost by over 40 points. So that's the big difference for me, and that's what I think the committee is going to look at. They're going to go, listen, basically Oregon also is going to need TCU to drop as well. Um, so it'll just be interesting to see how it all shapes out. You, you always think you know what's going to happen with a couple weeks left. And there, there's at least one or two curveballs left uh, in the college football season until we get to the playoffs. Yeah, it's really always confusing to kind of like try to predict where teams are going to lie. And I think with Tennessee, if we go through that scenario where if TCU happened to lose a game, whether it's at Texas or any of the other games they have, like Baylor, for example, or even in the uh, Big 12 championship where they will probably have to play Texas again or they might have to play um, – I don't even know some of the other teams. K-State's up there, but I know they just suffered a couple of losses too. So it will more than likely be Texas as it looks like right now, or hell, even even Kansas could probably make their way back up if they go on a hot streak. Uh, but with Tennessee, I think that if you compare Ohio State to Tennessee, if Ohio State were to lose to Michigan, I think there would be a lot more discussion there. But if Michigan were to lose to Ohio State, I think there will be less discussion. This is due to the out-of-conference slate where Tennessee, they challenged themselves by at least trying to go at Pitt to make a tough out-of-conference matchup. Ohio State, they played against Notre Dame, which that win is continuing to get better as the days go on, as Notre Dame has picked up a lot of wins. And Notre Dame's actually a big factor for Ohio State if they happen to lose to Michigan, because Notre Dame, if they finish 9-3, and three, they still have USC on the schedule. So if they went out and they take down USC, that's taking out a potential Pac-12 competitor that can sneak into the playoff over Ohio State as a conference champ versus a non-conference champ. And that's something that definitely could be a plot point they may look at, especially if Alabama were to drop another game to, for example, Ole Miss or even to Auburn. 
at the end of the season, Alabama would be nine and three, Notre Dame would be nine and three, and you're kind of sitting at kind of a which team is better, what win is better, and trying to weigh that all in. Both teams won at home, so it can be very tricky. But Tennessee also has a good plot point of beating LSU, and they didn't just beat LSU; they destroyed LSU in Baton Rouge on the road in Tiger Stadium, and that was a very impressive victory where it was not even competitive at all. Tennessee didn't even look ahead to the Alabama game. And if LSU, if they were to crash the party and win the SEC over Georgia, I'd find it really hard for the committee to put in a two-loss LSU over an 11-1 Tennessee, especially given there's that head-to-head factor. And there really is not really, there's not an argument for LSU over Tennessee that's, aside from maybe, hey, they beat Georgia, they won the That'd be the issue. But... Two losses? That would that would break people's brain because you would have twelve and one Georgia who lost SEC title game, eleven and one Tennessee who routed LSU and got routed by Georgia, and then an eleven and two LSU team that just beat Georgia. So that's where it would get all wonky because you'd be like, Well, I feel like Tennessee has to be above LSU because they beat LSU really big. But then LSU is like, so does that mean we're better than Georgia? Because then in that hypothetical scenario, they beat Georgia. And Georgia's going, well, we got basically everybody has that a win over each other. It was kind of what uh, people were worried about in the Big Ten with uh, Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan. It's, uh, it's a chaos scenario that I actually I really have a hard time believing it's going to happen. Um, LSU, they're, they're only three-point favorites against Arkansas. I, I think it's a little light. Um, but it also shows how, how tough that game is going to be on the road. Um, LSU hasn't been the most convincing team on the road this season, so you could definitely see them falling, and that would immediately remove all doubt as a uh, three-loss LSU would definitely not make the college football playoff. Yeah, LSU, uh, to end off the season, they're at Arkansas, home against UAB, and then they're on the road at a really struggling Texas A&M squad. Uh, But Roth kind of hit on it as there are some teams on upset alert this week. We saw a couple of upsets last week uh, with teams like Clemson losing to Notre Dame, Alabama falling to LSU, and uh, some teams barely escape as well. But we look down the list, some teams that could be in potential trap game scenarios. Georgia is on the road at Mississippi State. Mississippi State, pretty inconsistent team throughout the year. However, they have spent some time in the top 25, have had some dominant wins over teams like Arkansas and teams like Texas A&M. Uh, so they have the home field advantage. That's something where uh, Georgia and Mississippi State, not very familiar with each other due to SEC crossovers. Uh, teams from the West and the East, if they are not locked rivals they only play each other once in a seven-year span and this is the seven-year span where georgia plays mississippi state uh the only exception was when they had the COVID season where georgia and mississippi state played bulldogs were a much better team on paper mississippi oh let me specify georgia bulldogs are a much better team on paper than the mississippi state bulldogs uh but georgia only won 31 to 24 despite mississippi state missing half their team due to COVID. so Based off that last matchup, maybe there could be a little bit of weirdness in the air for that game, but could be a potential upset. That's one that I might circle, as well as the TCU at Texas one, which I think everybody and their moms has as a potential upset. Yeah, it's interesting in the conferences like the SEC that 
they're in the same conference, but like you mentioned, they only play once out of every six years. So you really aren't. You could be at a school for four. You could be redshirted at a school. And COVID year, probably. Oh, well, redshirt plus COVID year, you play everybody. <laughs> but if you just redshirt and then you play your four years, there's going to be one school in the conference that you never even play. It's not just that you like, oh, yeah, we played them at home, but we didn't get to go to their place. No, you never even saw them. You never lined up on the same field. And so the American is actually doing some interesting stuff when they go to a 14-team conference, uh, which I really like. You have one protected rival, so you'll play whoever your protected rival is every year. And then out of the other, uh, it would be 12 other teams in the conference, you play them every other year. So through four years, you go to every school, and every school goes to you. I think that's where these super conferences are kind of going. It's very easy in a 14 team if you only want to protect one rivalry. It's a little more difficult in 16 or 14 teams where you want to protect two, maybe three rivalries. But I just really like the pod system going away with divisions and really making it a true conference because I don't think... Georgia and Mississippi State, I know they're both in the SEC, but considering they play each other, like, on average, once every six years, they don't really feel like they're in the same conference. Like, that's pretty pretty ridiculous. So There's always, like, one SEC game for every team per year that feels like, okay, these teams are playing once, they're one time in a blue Yeah, they never, yeah, it was... um, Kentucky and Ole Miss, they played for the first time in Ole Miss... It was, like, the first time since 2012, I believe. Texas A&M, I believe, had never gone to South Carolina until this year since they joined the conference. They had never played a game at South Carolina. I think that was the stat uh, that just got broken this year. So, yeah, just a bizarre uh, scheduling quirks within these conferences that will potentially only get worse as you keep expanding some of these leagues. Big Ten also has that problem a bit as well, where there are teams like Ohio State who hasn't played Illinois in a couple of years, and that's a trophy game, and that's something that I feel like should be played at least a little bit more often. I don't think Ohio State has played Illinois in a regular season game since 2017-2018. I believe JT Barrett was the quarterback the last time Ohio State played Illinois in the regular season. But scrolling down some other potential upsets, Oregon versus Washington might be one that I keep my eye on. That's a tricky matchup. Alabama and Ole Miss should be a really good competitive showdown. Alabama struggled on the road this year, so we'll keep an eye on that one. And then overall, everything else looks like there are just a couple competitive games around. Um, One of them is Tulane and UCF, which will probably be one of the major games in the American Conference that alongside any of the matchups against Cincinnati. UCF already with the win over Cincinnati. And then Tulane, they will travel and play UC later on in the season. And then other than that, some other big games, let's say Illinois first Purdue decides the Big Ten West or will help decide the Big Ten West because uh, that is going to be a, that's on the border of being one of the craziest division races we've seen in a while in terms of just every team in a war of attrition for it. Illinois losing to Michigan State was a pretty bad loss for them, but Illinois still ranked in the top 25. But we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the NBA and see what's been up with the Cleveland Cavaliers recently on the Sports Fan on 970 WATH.
You're listening to 970 WATH and the Sports Fan. Right back to you here on the Sports Fan and on 970 WATH. Cedric Granger joined by Michael Roth as we are transitioning from the gridiron to the hardwood as basketball season in the NBA is in full swing as the Cleveland Cavaliers continue their California road trip after taking the road to face off against the Lakers and the Clippers. They are 1-1 one one in California so far and they look to get to 2-1 against the Sacramento Kings tonight of a nice late tip-off, 10 o'clock p.m. for the Cleveland Cavaliers. They are sitting at 8-2, second in the Central Division, and looking good overall in terms of the full NBA standings, number two in the Eastern Conference, just trailing only the Milwaukee Bucks, who are also off to a pretty hot start. Other teams that have been doing pretty well in the East, Boston 7-3, Atlanta 7-3, Atlanta picked up that big win over Milwaukee. They gave the Bucks their first loss recently, and they did so pretty good, winning by, I believe, over 25 points. It was around 117 to 98, one of those types of games. Uh, Toronto, 6-5. and five, Chicago, 6-6. Six and six. And then in the middle of the pack, Indiana, New York, Washington, Philly, and then the Brooklyn Nets just on the outside looking in, as well as the Miami Heat, Charlotte Hornets, Detroit Pistons, and Orlando Magic. Uh, but the two major games that are going to be televised tonight on ESPN will be the Knicks and the Nets. And then following that up with the Battle of L.A. Part 2, Clippers and Lakers. Uh, do any of these games excite you tonight? Um, not really. <laughs> the uh, the Clippers-Lakers rivalry really had a chance to be one of the coolest things in sports. To have an entire playoff series played in one arena, one city. It's never happened. The Lakers and Clippers have never met in the playoffs. And it almost happened in the bubble, where the city proximity obviously would not have mattered because all the games are played in the bubble. But it would have been very ironic if it happened. Yes, <laughs> incredibly ironic. And if the Denver Nuggets didn't come back uh, from a 3-1 deficit, it would have happened in the bubble. But there was a chance for this to be really a like not decade defining rivalry, but like a f- four or five year rivalry that people think about. And it just hasn't happened. And that's, that's just disappointing um, because it could have, it could have been something really cool. And now they're just two big market teams that are on TV too much. And that's, that's just tough. It's all about big markets, it seems, tonight with ESPN. Of course, the other matchup between the Knicks and the Nets. I actually do enjoy watching the Knicks every now and again, uh, at least more so than past years. Uh, The Brooklyn Nets, they have been in the news for all the wrong reasons this year. Um, Of course, the Kyrie situation hasn't been helping things, as well as the coaching situation hasn't been great at all for the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, they just announced uh, they're going to be, I believe they're going to be hiring Jack Vaughn. Um, as their coach getting um, a lot of public backlash from trying to sign uh, Ime Yudoka after uh, he is currently suspended by the Celtics for the entire season. Yeah, so a lot of rough things happening for some of these teams in the East. 
However, it is a long NBA season, only about one-eighth of the way through, so still plenty of time for teams to go on runs and get it together to just try to make the play-in. Then on the other side of things, you have the Western Conference, where the Utah Jazz lead it 9-3 and three on the campaign, followed by the Phoenix Suns at 7-3, and three, Portland Trailblazers, who seem to be back to form with Damian Lillard coming back into his 2020, 2019, 2018 sort of form there, 7-3. and three. Denver Nuggets, 7-3. Dallas, 6-3. Memphis, 7-4. Then in the play-in area, 7-10. through 10, Clippers, Pelicans, Spurs, and Timberwolves. And then Oklahoma City Thunder, 4-6. The Golden State Warriors, defending champions, 4-7. Off to a bad start. And then the Kings, the Cavaliers' uh, opponent for today, they're 3-6. Lakers, 2-8. And, and Houston Rockets, 2-9. With the West, we shall see how that kind of all shakes up. There's a lot of really good games, of course, with the league taking a day off yesterday. A lot of teams will be back in action tonight. And, of course, I always do enjoy being able to listen in and watch some of the games, whether it be on uh, Tuesday and Thursdays on TNT or whether it's Wednesdays on ESPN. Pretty good opportunity to study, hit the books a little bit while watching a little bit of NBA action. Glad to have that back. When we come back, we will have our last segment of the show where we will talk about um, Ohio College basketball as they got started the other day, not last night, but the night before that. And we played a little bit on it in the last show, but we'll talk about the game a lot more against Belmont and what's ahead for the Bobcats on this 2022-2023 season. This is Sports Fan on 970 WATH. Weenie Wednesday. Corn dogs and regular hot dogs, $1.19 each. Open 10.30 a.m. to 10 p.m. Head over to Larry's Dog House over on West Union Street in Athens. Stay informed about the stock market from Goldsberry Wealth Strategies. Weekdays at 5.30 on 970 97.1 FM, WATH. The report follows the news. Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Goldsberry Wealth Strategies is not a broker-dealer and is independent of RJFS. Your local volunteer fire department routinely answers the call whether it be a fire, traffic accident, or a cat stuck in a tree. But because of declines in memberships, departments have become understaffed. Your local volunteer fire department desperately needs you. Can you direct traffic, install a smoke alarm, help at a fundraiser? No matter what skills you have, you can make a difference. You don't have to fight fire to be a volunteer. Will you answer the call? For more information on how you can help, visit the Volunteer Firefighter Alliance at supportvfa.org. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 7 40-698-3521 for a free estimate. You are listening to the Sports Fan on 970 WATH. Last segment of the show here on the Sports Fan on 970 WATH. Cedric Granger joined by Michael Roth for the last segment of the show as we'll talk a little bit about the Bobcats in basketball as they have gotten their season started and not on a high note as Belmont comes up with the revenge game from last year 
against Ohio. They got the Bobcats at home, and they took advantage, winning on a three-point buzzer beater as time expires. The Bobcats, they spent most of the game down after the first five minutes where they got off to a good start. But after that, Belmont had a steady lead throughout most of the game until Ohio took it back late just for Belmont to win it at the buzzer. So it was the type of game where it's a heartbreaker to start the year. However, Belmont is the type of team that is a great challenge and a great mid-major matchup for Ohio. However, in terms of resume, that's a team you need to win. However, with all the lost talent for Ohio, the really the path into the NCAA tournament is really just going to come down to winning the MAC. So it was, uh, you mentioned euphoric for last night's game for the Bobcats football program. The basketball game had, had a euphoric moment with, unfortunately, 1.4 seconds left. That was uh, a quite soul-crushing way to lose a game. Um, but I think you can take some positives from the game. Um, biggest positive, Dwight Wilson looks fantastic. 20 points, 8 rebounds um, for Dwight after he missed all of last season with an injury. He could have rushed back and played uh, the final couple regular season games and Mac tournament last year, but instead opted to come back for a full final season in college. And it looks like a full off season of training has done him wonders in the paint. A uh, new point guard, Jalen Hunter was a bit up and down as was transfer Devon Baker, but you saw the flashes from both of them. Uh, no A.J. Brown, the Bobcats' most sought-after freshman recruit, and returnees like Miles Brown, A.J. Clayton, and Ben Roderick gave them solid minutes. It'll be interesting to see how much the rotation thins out. Uh, a couple guys sat due to foul trouble, but also Jeff Bowles played his bench more than he usually does. Uh, there were times last year where they were only playing eight guys, and there were... 10 players that got at least seven minutes in the opening game. I'm not sure how long that will last in competitive games like the one against Belmont, but we shall see uh, Bobcats back at home on Saturday, hosting a Cleveland state squad that lost to a division two foe in their season opener. So hopefully the Bobcats can get on the winning track against the Vikings on Saturday. Yeah, I hope so as well. As They'll have games after that where they're going to have to be on the road, starting off three out of their first four games this season on the road. Not an easy task. They'll be at Detroit Mercy and then at number 22-ranked Michigan coming up this, not this weekend, but the weekend after. And then they'll have some games against Eastern Illinois, Alabama State, uh, some smaller schools, and then, of course, a big one at Marshall. They'll play at Youngstown State. Then comes the game against Florida so that Michigan game, that Florida game, the Belmont game, and the Ab Marshall game, kind of your main circles on this out-of-conference slate for Ohio before they get into MAC play starting on January 3rd. It'll be interesting to see how they do non-conference. Uh, the game I'm most excited about is in Ann Arbor. I plan on uh, going up and hopefully having as much fun as I did last night. And hope that the result is the same as what happened with the Bobcats when you attended last night and hope that the Bobcats can pull off the stunner just like they did in the NCAA tournament about a decade ago. 
But we'll close off the show with our hot picks. For me, I'm looking at college football. I'm looking in the MAC, and even though this would not help the Bobcats, I do think the Buffalo Bulls are going to bounce back on the road against Central Michigan. Chippewas, they have struggled a lot this season, something that a lot of people did not anticipate, and I feel like with betting lines, they kind of take out the record. They kind of go with what was thought of as the team to be in the preseason. So that's why you see opportunities where even though the Bobcats have played way better than the Red Hawks throughout the season, the Red Hawks were favored by a lot of ESPN metrics. And you'll see kind of the same thing with other matchups in the MAC. But I'm taking Buffalo plus two and a half against Central Michigan. Not the best night for college basketball, but I am going to take Marist minus one and a half at home against American. Um, ESPN seems to really like Marist. They're giving them a 62% chance to win. Um, and all they got to do is win by more than one point. So I, uh, I think that's a pretty solid uh, pick to make. Yep, going into the depths of college basketball. I did it yesterday. I unfortunately got burned as Purdue beat Milwaukee by more than 26 points. I was trying to trust in Milwaukee yesterday, Rolf, because uh, they put up over 100 in their first game. So something told me maybe since this will be Purdue's first game, they might have a couple struggles out the gate that maybe uh, Milwaukee could kind of hang with them, but it ended up not being the case. But. Purdue's good at blowing blowing out the really bad teams, so I will give them that. They always, always do a good job of that. Yeah, good credit to them. So we'll see how the season continues to progress. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of The Sports Fan and hope you get the opportunity to relax, sit on the couch, and watch sports. It's a great joy to me and Rolf and should be a great joy to you as well. Once again, thank you for listening to The Sports Fan on 970 WATH. In our 73rd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WATH FM.